When I was in college, there used to be an unmarked truck. It was like a U-Haul moving truck style truck that would show up on random days and park right in the middle of the campus, right where everybody was walking, rushing about to get to their classes. And over time, I learned that the truck had a name. It was called the Mitzvah Tank. And so where I went to college, it wasn't too far away from New York City, and there were communities of Lubavitcher Jews. And they would set up these trucks called mitzvah tanks as a way to essentially proselytize, to reach those Jews who were not observant and try to guide them and teach them into ways of becoming much more observant, like the Lubavitcher Jewish ultra-Orthodox community was. And for me, it was just an unusual experience. It, it wasn't so bad. I'd walk by and somebody would come up to me or other people around me and they'd say, are you Jewish? And my answer was easy. I would say no and they'd say, have a nice day. But my poor Jewish friends hated walking by the mitzvah tank because if they would never say that they weren't Jewish, but once they did, they had to speed up <laughs> to make it to their class. If the mitzvah tank people had a taker, what they would do is they would bring the person inside the truck and they had, it was like a mini rolling synagogue and they would pray prayers and they would teach traditions. And one of the traditional ways of praying that they would do with a person was to use something called tefillin. Tefillin is a practice of taking black bands and wrapping them around your hands and your arm and you take a little black box that's made of leather and inside the black box are tiny scrolls with passages of scripture and you bind that onto your arm or onto your head, right onto your forehead. Interestingly, one of the passages that is traditionally used for one of the scrolls that will be put into a box on your forehead or on your arm is from Deuteronomy 6, which says... Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding to you in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead. And write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. These words written thousands of years ago may not have originally been meant literally, but still to this day they are taken literally. It's a beautiful practice when you think about it, to take the words of God and to put them right near you, on your body, close to your head. And these are the same words that we hear Jesus quoting when the lawyer comes to test him and ask him what is the greatest commandment. These are the first words that come out of his, house, out of his mouth. Incidentally, the word mitzvah, I told you it's called a mitzvah tank, these trucks that would go around. Mitzvah kind of has two meanings. The more common meaning is a good deed. You may have heard somebody say, you've done a mitzvah, you've done a good deed for somebody today. That is one of the meanings, but to be a little more literal about mitzvah, it actually means 
commandment. So all of those laws, all of those commandments in Hebrew scripture, there are 613 mitzvot. That's the plural for mitzvah. 613 commandments. And this lawyer who comes to test Jesus, he's not just a lawyer of secular law. He's a lawyer of the commandments, of the mitzvot. And he asks Jesus, what is the greatest mitzvah? And Jesus answers, first, love God with all that you have. And then he says, there's another commandment that is like it, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. And upon these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, he tells us. A friend of mine named Matthew Moretz, who is a priest, has a beautiful way of talking about these two commandments and how they work, that we are asked to love God and to love our neighbor. And they're not pitted against each other as if one is greater than the other, but they go together. And the way he puts it, it's like, which is more important, breathing in or breathing out? Love God, love your neighbor. They have to go together. The presiding Bishop Michael Curry has said many words about love and preached many sermons about love. And I thought I had heard everything that he possibly could have to say about the topic of love. But he has just released a new book about the way of love. And it was given to me recently, and I'm working my way through it. It's one of those books that I'm finding myself underlining just about every other sentence. And one of the things that he points out, which is important for us to hear, is that love is not merely a feeling. It's not merely an emotion or a sentiment. He says, love as a sentiment becomes love as a sedative. It leaves you complacent. But the love that Jesus is about is something that wakes you up to living, to justice, to action, and to encountering all of creation. And the word that Jesus uses for love, in his day, we have this one word love and we use it for so many things. You might say, I love pancakes, and that means something completely different than the love that you have for another person. And he says there's a specific kind of love that Jesus is talking about, and it's caught up in the word agape, the Greek word. Incidentally, we have the word agape painted outside of our church right now, facing out towards the street. Agape means specifically self-giving love, love that turns outward, love that is generous, love that frees us from the temptation to think that everything revolves around us. Bishop Curry also points out that the opposite of love is not, in fact, hatred. The opposite of love is selfishness. This is the calling. When we are called to love, we are called away from self-centeredness towards selflessness, a love that frees us frees us to live and to act. And so that day, Jesus was being tested. And today, I believe we are being tested. The pandemic is wearing us down. It is tempting us 
towards selfishness as opposed to ways of self-giving. Politics are turning us against one another and testing us in other ways. They're keeping us fighting each other rather than fighting our shared problems. And we're also being tested by a system that wants to keep inequality in place. If we were to love one another as Jesus commands us, we would not stand for the inequality of race and class, gender and sexuality. But there is hope, too. We are not powerless and we are not voiceless because we are not loveless. And the good news is that the love that we have in our hearts didn't begin with us. It's a love that has been gifted to us. When we love, Christ lives in us. These many commandments that are in the Bible, the 613 commandments of Hebrew scripture, the mitzvot, mostly are boundaries and limits. There are ways to keep us on track, keep us from falling away, but limits alone do not cause us to rise up. Only love can do that. Limits don't dispel hatred. They don't change the world. Only love can do that. And the love that is in us can do all of these things. And so we are called to be people of love. To teach it, to share it, to spread it, to put it on our doors, to put it on our arms, to put it on our foreheads, to put it right in our hearts. This is the greatest commandment. Amen.